Good morning, church. I hope you've been all well. Um, in the season that we're in with the pandemic um, and also a lot of what's going on with, uh, with the protests uh, as we mourn uh, death and hatred and violence, um, I'm sure it weighs heavy on a lot of us, uh, some in different ways, some more intensely. Uh, but nonetheless, as we come before God, uh, let us bring our burdens and worries uh, and everything to Him, uh, for He is our answer and He is our Lord. Uh, as we go into a time of worship, I do want to give us a few announcements. Uh, first thing is, again, we have our online platforms in the midst of COVID, and we have our online CG, we have our online Sunday service, as well as our online LF after service discussion and our online prayer. Uh, so all these are ways so that we can love God, love people, and make disciples. Uh, so do please join us for that. Uh, I do also want to mention that we do have offering that is able to give online. Uh, I know I haven't mentioned that in the weeks before, uh, but the, uh, the address is just give.lifeandfruit.com. And there you can give your missions offering, your tithes, uh, and your finances as worship to the Lord. Uh, this morning, as we begin our worship, I do want to prepare our hearts by the reading of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Amen. Uh, at this time, let us pray together as we prepare our hearts for his worship. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we come before you. Uh, we thank you for your presence in our lives. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Uh, Lord, may our hearts hold on to Christ. And as we hold on to Christ, Lord, may we live a life of worship to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
this morning, I know we've been um, studying through the book of Exodus, uh, but in light of what's been going on in our nation, uh, I think it is right for us to really pray together and seek the Lord and His guidance uh, so that not only our, our reaction and response will be pleasing to Him and really building up of the body and, and one another, uh, but also that our hearts uh, would be right before God. Uh, I'm sure many of you have been really wrestling uh, with emotions and uh, different things you've been watching on the news and, and media. Uh, I, I have too. Uh, I've been feeling a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of inner reflection, uh, a bit of exhaustion too. Uh, but certainly that's us. Uh, there are also many other people uh, like our black community and, and people who have been oppressed and facing death and suffering, uh, not just in this past couple weeks, uh, but for really many years. And, and, uh, and during all of that, um, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, what can I share uh, as a pastor? What can we uh, really, uh, really gear our hearts towards? And first, I'm, I'm thankful for the Word of God. Uh, because he speaks through the word uh, and that there is never a situation or circumstance that uh, makes God, well, like surprised. Uh, but he has the answer and he has the keys uh, to anything that we face. So this morning, I would like for us to look towards scripture. I'll look at various passages. Uh, but today's message is, is entitled, uh, God of the oppressed, God of the oppressed. Uh, couple, three questions I wanted to, us to ask and, and look at, and then for the remainder of our time, I would like for us to really pray together, uh, pray together. Uh, so the three questions we'll look at is this, why is all of this happening? Second question is this, do the suffering of the oppressed, does it go unnoticed? And the third is this, is there any hope for the oppressed, the suffering? So the first question is this, you know, why is all of this happening? And by that, I mean um, protests, uh, death of George Floyd, uh, mourning of uh, loved ones, uh, racism, uh, hate, looting, uh, violence, all of this. Why is all of this happening? Uh, when we look at the Word of God, it is clear God did not create a world that was bad. He created a world that He saw was very good. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. And where we start seeing suffering and evil and brokenness is after Genesis 3. We see it as a result of a man's rebellion and sin against God. And that brings about the consequence of that rebellion. It brings about sin and more sin. You know, what is sin? Uh, sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created. Uh, rebelling against him by living without reference to him. Not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and disintegration, disintegration of all creation. Uh, this is the definition of sin by New City Catechism. But that, that, that part, what does sin do? It's not just what we do, but it's our being, and that leads to our death and disintegration of all creation. So all that God has created good there's a disintegration of that because of the result of sin. Uh, so when we look at sin, there's a couple parts we can look at. There is the individual sin. There is corporate sin. And there is a reality of a spiritual realm. Okay? And in this spiritual realm, there is a spiritual enemy of God. Uh, we've been looking through book of Exodus, and when we look at Exodus, we see how one individual's hardened heart 
affects others. Uh, and we see how that affects himself, but again, it affects others. So when we take Pharaoh, for example, his unrepentant and refusal to submit to God led to his downfall. When we look at Genesis 13, him and the soldiers are left to ruin. But his hardening of heart, his sin, what it does is it, it causes suffering of others. Uh, certainly the other Egyptian men and women, uh, but Israelites, the Israel people. They are victims of Pharaoh's sin. Uh, we, we, we see that in the background of Exodus where when a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph comes into power and that relationship is, is important because Joseph and the Hebrew people and the Egyptian got along very well because of the favor and blessing God gave to Joseph and his family, but that manifested into other into this nation of Egypt. But once that connection was lost and people forgot about that, what happened is this new Pharaoh comes into place and sees the Israel people multiplying, and growing, and feels threatened, threatened. And, and that fear drives this Pharaoh to do two things, to create a mandate uh, to oppress the Israel uh, people, but also to kill the infants. Uh, so we, we see the devastating effects of an individual sin. And I, I don't think I have to talk too much on this. We also know what that looks like in our life. When we commit sin, it affects us. But that sin just doesn't stop with us. It affects other people. The sin of lying. Yeah, you may suffer the consequence of that lie, but that lie breaks the trust and the, the, the value of even friendship and relationship with the other person that was lied to. Uh, when we look at at uh, individual sin, there's devastating effects. And, and, and in our Western culture and uh, our society, it's not hard to grasp, right? Uh, you, you, you do wrong, you pay the fines, right? There's a consequence to that. But another type of sin we see in Scripture very clearly is corporate sin. It's corporate sin. Notice how when uh, Israel people... Even when the Pharaoh who uh, did all these mandates of oppressing the Israel people died, uh, did it end? No, uh, they still suffered under slavery and, and oppression. And in fact, when we look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to 25, uh, I'll read this for us. Again, we'd love for you to have the word and, and look there with us. Uh, but Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to 25 says this, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of uh, Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Uh, so here, even when the king of Egypt died, the suffering, the groaning was louder and louder. Right? And why is that the case? Because there is a systemic issue. It's not just an individual, but it's many individuals. It's a system uh, of sin. Uh, Western individualistic culture can understand the sin of the individual very well, uh, but ha can have a hard time understanding corporate sin. Uh, but basically, what we see is it's a broken system. Uh, one commentary stated this, a system that ex excludes, marginalizes people on the basis of race, class, or economic standing. standing. Uh, it's important to understand that most people participating in a system that leads to marginalization do not desire to hurt anyone. The unfortunate reality of systems is that intent does not matter. Participation in a broken system is all that is required for suffering and marginalization to continue. Okay, that's a lot of words right there. Uh, but we can understand in two ways. There is a sense of corporate identity and corporate sin in Scripture. Uh, we can understand corporate identity in this way. 
um, you know, your favorite sports team wins, right? They win the championship, right? The Dallas Mavs win the NBA championship, right? But what happens? Is it just the team and, and the organization that celebrates? No, it's a whole citywide thing, right? But you didn't play in the championships. You didn't win, actually win that trophy. But no, there's a sense where it's a corporate thing that we identify together with this team. Uh, so when we look at sports, that's one way we can understand this. Uh, so there's a corporate connection, right? Um, bear with me. There, there's, I'm getting to a point in this. Uh, and therefore, there's a corporate sin that is addressed in Scripture. Uh, take, for example, Joshua chapter 7. Uh, when Israelites are now in the promised land, uh, after they march around the city of Jericho, right, seven times they victorious. Uh, but then there's another city that God calls them to uh, fight against and conquer, and that's the city of Ai. I. And one of the things that God commands is, you shall not take anything from this, right? Everything is to be devoted to me as worship to, to God. But this man named Achan, what he does is he actually covets something and takes it, right? And because of that man's sin, what happened? Israel loses that battle, uh, loses the next battle that they have. And in fact, they, they suffer. And, and uh, to some of us, we may think, man, that's very harsh. How can, because of one man's individual sin, like lead to the suffering of so many, right? Uh, again, it's because our understanding of, of sin is very more individualism, individualistic. But in scripture, there is a corporate sense. Uh, so in, in that way, it makes sense because he was very much part of the whole connected together. Uh, when we look at the gospel, you cannot, uh, as Tim Keller mentions, Pastor Tim Keller mentions, you cannot understand the gospel without having a corporate understanding of sin and corporate understanding of redemption. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Okay, when we look, um, let me, uh, let's read together. Uh, yeah. Uh, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, uh, we'll stop there. Uh, jump down with me to 18 and 19. So we understand because of one man's sin, death and uh, death came, death spread, right? There's a corporate nature. One person, it affects the entire whole. Right. Uh, verse 18, here is the good news of what Christ has done. Uh, verse 18 and 19, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience that many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience that many will be made righteous. Amen. So what Romans 5 uh, draws out is this, uh, that there is a corporate understanding of sin, but corporate understanding of salvation, right? Gospel points to that, right? The whole structure, as Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller says, the whole structure of gospel is based on corporate responsibility. If you really want to go all the way and say, I am only responsible for what I've done and only what I've done, there is no gospel, if you say, I'm only accountable to my own sin and what my own wrongdoing, then there is no gospel. The reason why is this. Certainly Jesus died for you and I's sin, but through Adam, we have sinned together as a mankind, as a human race. But as what Jesus does when he came in the flesh is that he brings salvation to human race, mankind as a representative. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. So again, uh, highlighting this idea of corporate sin. Uh, and, and as we see what's been going around, our response cannot be, it doesn't deal with me. I didn't do that. So I, I'm not going to be respond, uh, responsible. I'm not going to respond. Again, we have to understand a corporate understanding of sin and salvation.
So when we look at why is all this happening, it's because of sin. The root issue is sin. And that's not just what you and I have committed wrong, but it's a systemic issue as we, as people group, as all together, we have wronged God and wronged one another. But again, a third thing that we cannot forget is this, is that there is a spiritual enemy called Satan who is looming and brewing, loving disunity, uh, loving hate, uh, loving violence. And uh, Paul in Ephesians 6, 12 reminds us this. There is a deep spiritual warfare that is going on, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6, 12. Uh, turn there with me. And it says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. Uh, so why is all this happening? Because of sin, individual sin, corporate sin, and also a spiritual warfare. So then the next question is this, do the suffering of the oppressed go unnoticed? Um, unfortunately, by people, yes. Um, question is not whether there is suffering and oppression and injustice, but the question you and I are asking and what the world is asking, does it go unnoticed? You know, we have in our day and age, social media, people have their phones and records. Uh, we have technology, uh, you know, even though our world is vast, it's almost like it's become small because we can be so connected. And yet what we realize is we still cannot catch everything. And that is some, some of the really heartache and cries of, of our black community. Of, of some of us who faced injustice and oppression because it was unnoticed. Um, you and I, uh, nobody is omnipresent. Uh, in that fact, we, we cannot see that even the motives of people, we cannot see what's happening way out there uh, where, where, where there's no cameras and lights. And, and that is the reality. Oh, there are times when suffering and injustice does go unnoticed. But jumping into the third and last question, so then is there any hope for the oppressed? Is there any hope for the oppressed and the suffering? Though we as people fall short, there is a God who is mighty and who hears the oppressed who rescues and delivers the oppressed and he sends to the oppressed and praise the Lord. We see that God hears. In Exodus chapter two, verse 23 to 25, when Israel was groaning, God heard, saw, knew, and remembered his covenant. But God is also the one who says, hey, I hear. Psalm 94, 8 through 11, the word of God tells us, Understand, O dullest of people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Oh, excuse me, I, I skipped verse 10. He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are but a breath. So God sees all things, knows what's going on. Every heart is unveiled before him. But not just him seeing, but God is righteous. He is just. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 9, verse 7 through 9. Psalm 9, verse 7 through 
But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Brothers and sisters, not only does God see and knows all things, He's the one who is just and is righteous. He is righteous in character. He is just in His doing. And when we even look at God as He establishes this people of Israel, He teaches them to love one another. I won't read this for us, but if you look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 through 18, we think of Leviticus as just rules that are uh, really uh, unapplicable to us. No, there are rules that God has instilled so that the, the, the vulnerable will be protected, the poor will be cared for, that people will live in love, that they will be just and righteous just as He is holy. And He has declared that. But to those who do not follow in obedience to Him, the God who hears, the God who is just, and that God who declared, He will also bring consequences. That's what He says. Romans 12, 19 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 31, it says this, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Right? Old Testament law, if someone did wrong, just have two or three witnesses, then they would, be pers- they would be condemned. But this is what the Hebrew writer says, How much more worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? So in other words, what Jesus has done, right? new covenant, he showed lavish grace and mercy to us. But when we reject that and, and trample on it, we need, to be in fear. we need to be afraid. It says, verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, this, it says, The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Brothers and sisters, if we are finding ourselves in a place of oppression and suffering, We may want to be heard. We may want to be seen and known. That's in all of us. But unfortunately, we live in a place and a time where sometimes that doesn't happen. But what we do cling on to and hope and trust and we find peace is that there is a God that nothing goes unnoticed before Him. So for those of my brothers and sisters in the black community, those of us who have been unjustly treated, the word of God reminds you, he sees it all. He knows it and justice he will bring. And those of us, as we reflect, if we have unjustly treated a brother or sister, Yet, when knowing the grace and love of mercy of Jesus Christ, we need to be warned. We need to repent. We need to confess. And that is where I find myself having to be. Uh, Brothers and sisters, the the gospel is this. Jesus Christ is the living hope. He who is God Almighty, became man, flesh, fully God, fully man. He also fell at the hands of evildoers. He's tasted 
suffering and oppression. So it is He that is able to comfort the oppressed and the hurt. But Jesus Christ also not just is the king who empathizes uh, with us, but He is the perfect sacrifice that redeems the oppressed and even the oppressor. And that is the gospel. In a time like this, we need to remember our hope and, and who we stand before is God and God first and foremost. And as I end the message, as we look towards the word, uh, I would like for us to really pray together, uh, lamenting, repenting, and really asking God to move in our hearts, in our communities, and in our nation at this time. In fact, it is the cry of the oppressed that the God listens. It is the cry of His people who don't cry out and shout in other directions, but to Him, God hears and God moves. So in this time of prayer, uh, I would like to uh, lift up four topics for us to pray for. And the first topic is this. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we, we need to examine our hearts and, and come before God. And if there is anything that we have uh, committed wrong before God, we need to confess our individual sin. But again, it's a corporate sin as well when it comes to hatred, racism, prejudice, violence. And we need to repent over those things. Uh, I want to share a, a uh, I guess, a, a entry that a friend pastor of mine uh, wrote. And I came across it and I was, uh, he read it really well, uh, wrote it really well, and I, I wanted to share this. Uh, but this is what he writes. Uh, As I've been lamenting, reflecting, and repenting, here's what has been going on in my heart and head. And I wrote this reflection called, I Heard Four Cries. How many cries did you hear when you watched the video of George Floyd? Uh, I heard four cries. The first cry, please, I can't breathe. The cry of George Floyd, a black man, handcuffed, face on the ground, a knee pushed down against his neck by a white officer for nearly nine minutes. The first cry is horrific, a cry uttered in pain and a cry painful to hear. Please, I can't breathe. The second cry, get off of his neck. The cry of the witnesses, furious, angry, Desperate, turning to panic. They cry, but what can they do? These are police officers. Who can they call when these are the very people who are supposed to help? The second cry is anger. A cry falling on deaf ears. Do they not hear them? Do they not care? Get off of his neck. The third cry. Why aren't you doing anything? My cry. The viewers cry. Who am I crying out to? The officer I see most clearly in the video, the one I see doing nothing, the one his back to it all. He is yellow. Does that mean anything? Maybe, maybe not. But he has the power to do something. He has the voice to speak, but he doesn't. The third cry is helpless because I know my cry is too late. It has been done. George Floyd is dead. Why aren't you doing anything? The fourth cry, you are the man. It's the Spirit's cry. Using the words of the prophet Nathan who confronted David in his sin, the Spirit cries out to me and against me. You have the power to do something. You have, you have the voice to speak, but you haven't. You are the man. The fourth cry is convicting but challenging. It's not the cry I want to hear, but it's the cry I need to hear. It humbles me to tear-filled repentance, but it lifts me up with new resolve. You are the man. 
So many cries have fallen on empty ears. I cannot do anything about those cries. But here's what I can do. I can make sure my ears are open to hear and respond to the Spirit's cry. And as I do, I, began to, I begin to cry out with others in solidarity. The many cries will become one cry, and this cry will be heard. Uh, brothers and sisters, before we cry out to the Lord, what is the Holy Spirit tugging and moving in our hearts? The work of the Holy Spirit, one primary role is to convict men and women of righteousness, of sin. And at this time, let us take some time to repent of our individual sin, our corporate sin together. Let's pray. As we repent, as we lament, uh, let's lament together, brothers and sisters, over death, over violence, hatred. And I know um, we don't like to dwell on negative things, uh, but in Psalms, there's many Psalms of lament. Uh, it's where we, we put ourselves in these uncomfortable, uh, emotional, um, desperate, and uh, hurt, uh, and we really lament and cry out to the Lord together uh, because God's heart is crying and, and, and hurt over uh, image bearers of God being killed, uh, really not acting in the, uh, in the way of grace and mercy. So can we just take a few more moments uh, to lament together over just the tragedy of death of George Floyd, of these individuals who've died, uh, of just uh, looting and these terrible acts that are also causing a lot of pain in, in families. Uh, so let's take a moment. God, God, why are these happening? God, we lament. Our heart breaks and weeps with you. Let's pray like that together.
And as we continue to pray, let's, uh, the fourth topic is let's pray for restoration and renewal. Uh, and with that, for reconciliation. Uh, brothers and sisters, we mourn, uh, but we don't mourn to the place of hopelessness, but in hope, in the living hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians tells us that it is through Christ that there is even unity amongst peoples because He is the one who creates new men, new women, and, and together in Him become new. All right? And so at this time, let's pray that God would restore and renew, that you would bring hope to those who've suffered and lost precious lives, uh, that, uh, that there would be reconciliation that is taking place. Uh, I know uh, we ought to vote. We have to voice our opinions, uh, and not voice our opinions. We have to voice for what is right, right? Because it is a gospel and sin issue. Uh, but what gospel wants, uh, what gospel does is, as it reconciles us to God, it reconciles us to one another. Uh, so we need that reconciliation with one another. So let us pray for that. God, would you do that work uh, in us, especially beginning with the church, right? Let's pray like that together. And the last prayer request is this, that God would reveal His glory through the church. Uh, brothers and sisters, these are opportune moments where people, men and women who have been saved by Christ uh, uh, can be His hands and feet. And the way that we love one another, Christ will be shown. The way that we live and go about and re respond, uh, that Christ will be exalted. So let's pray for God's glory to shine brightly in the midst of uh, chaos, hurt, and, and dark times. Uh, so let's pray like that together. Church, before we, uh, I, I close us in prayer, um, let us spend this week and really this month together 
uh, really praying over our nation, uh, really listening and loving and learning. Um, as I share with you, this, um, you know, it's not easy for everyone. Uh, these are uncomfortable moments, and I myself included, you know, I, I love comfort, uh, but it cannot be at the expense of, you know, my brothers, my sisters who are suffering. Uh, so if we don't know what to do, if you find yourself kind of like me, uh, let's begin with prayer. God, may I move and work because I see this as an issue that you say is important. You see it as it breaks your heart and you tell me to love and, and, and fight against sin and injustice. Uh, so let's not just react because we uh, see things, but really from the heart of God. And let's really pray for that, that our church would move uh, that way. So let's really pray uh, in this month. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for your grace and mercy that we can always turn to you when uh, we don't know what to do. We hear so many things and, and God, we, uh, we, we admit our fallenness and brokenness. Uh, God, just as we confessed, Lord, I confess my sin of apathy and indifference and, and caring more about uh, my own skin than, than others. And uh, Lord, uh, would you have mercy on me? Uh, Lord, would you uh, forgive us uh, as we lift up uh, things that we've done, thought, and uh, the, the perspectives that we have that are not of you? Uh, Lord, uh, would you once again have mercy upon us? Would you heal us? Would you heal this land? God, we lift up the communities, our black brothers and sisters who are, uh, are, are facing uh, heartache that we cannot imagine. Uh, but Lord, may you as the one who empathizes, the one who knows all things, hears all things, may your comfort and grace surround them, Lord. And God, we also pray, Lord, that there is injustice, there is wickedness and evil, uh, and there is Satan that is really loving these moments. And we ask that, God, that you would deliver us from evil. Uh, God, that you would lead us not into temptation, uh, but that you would lead us, uh, deliver us from evil. And God, we know uh, that for a short while, uh, Satan may uh, do his thing, but God, there will come a time where you will reign, God, that he will be cast out into the uh, lake of fire, God, and God, that you will be victorious. And so God, till that day, Lord, that we would be led by the Spirit and not by our flesh. Uh, God, I pray that our LF community uh, would really, uh, uh, really start a, a new journey uh, of restoration of hope, uh, really first by prayer, Lord, uh, by seeking your face, and God, really being open hands and open arms to you. Uh, so God, we lift our hearts, our community, uh, our, our nation to you. Uh, Lord, may you be glorified. And God, would you build and establish your church, Lord. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.
Yeah.